Hello, welcome back to Insert Movie Here, the musical, another day, another podcast. I'm Sam. You have to give it a little more zhuzh than that, Sam. I'm sorry. Hello! Welcome to Insert Movie Here, the musical! <laughs> yes, come on. I have to, you give it some zhuzh. If you, if you don't think I'm giving enough zhuzh, you give it some zhuzh. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, <laughs> and good luck. My name is Kyle. And I'm Sam. Sam and I write musicals together, but we love movies. And on this podcast, we take a movie that should probably never be turned into a musical, and we do it anyway. Yep. This is an adaptation that happens in real time. Kyle and I watched a movie, the same movie, separately. We took a few notes, and now we're going to talk about it for the very first time together. We talk through any sort of structural changes, what the musical might look like on stage, what the songs are, where the songs are, what they sound like. And then at the end, I go away and I write a song and some of our very talented friends get together and help us produce a track of this song that you can listen to at the end of the podcast. That's it. Play the theme song now. Hit it! They did it with hairspray, they did it with Xanadu, why not Inception, or maybe The Godfather 2? They did it with Spamalot and Little Shop and Groundhog Day, so why not try with Paranormal Activity? Just take any movie, and add in like 10 or 12 songs, so what if Shayla's singing feels oh so wrong? So what if the flick we pick's a fit a bit unsuitable? We'll make it a Broadway hit, both baffling and beautiful. Just give us an hour, even Deer Hunter is doable. It's Insert Movie Here, the musical. Pick any movie and insert it right here. officially a trilogy now there are now more of us than there are paddingtons there's more us than there are good godfather movies there are there are more us than what are other things that come in twos um twins twins yeah they're more (laughs) more us than paddingtons and twins whether you're listening to us for the first time or whether you already listened we're so glad to have you listen to this one because we think it's going to be really really uh Fun is the word I'm going to use today because, Kyle, do you want to tell everyone what we are turning into a Broadway musical? Yes. Today we are doing the most fun movie, the most fun property. It's been sought after for years, eons, to be turned into a musical comedy. It is No Country for Old Men. Yeah, we're going to turn No Country for Old Men into a fucking musical. Yeah, let's do it. Do you think Cormac McCarthy would like that? Like, if we wrote Cormac McCarthy and we're just like, hey, we're going to make a musical. I think if we contacted Cormac McCarthy and said we're going (laughs) to turn No Country for Old Men into a musical, he would not respond to us. Or he'd kill us. Or he'd kill us. No Country for Old Men, directed by the Coen brothers from the Cormac McCarthy novel. Yes. Which is certainly the best movie we've done so far on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, and in a way, it should write itself. You know, there's already, it has all of the elements of a classical musical comedy. Like, it's already there for us. There's the psychopath who kills people with, like, a cattle air gun. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's Woody Harrelson. There's three principal characters that never interact with each other. 
<laughs> it's perfect. Um, okay, so let's just talk about the movie for a little bit. Okay, I before think- we do that, let's for people who uh, haven't seen No Country in a while, or maybe have never seen it at all, can you just give a concise? I'm talking thirty seconds here. Synopsis of the film. Has the clock started, Kyle? <laughs> It's begun. So Josh Brolin plays this man, Llewellyn, who in the West stumbles upon this like drug deal gone horribly wrong where everyone's dead on both sides. And he finds the briefcase full of money and takes it for himself. And that sort of sets this like manhunt into motion where the cartel is chasing him and like an assassin played by Javier Bardem is chasing him. And also the sheriff of the town played by Tommy Lee Jones is chasing him to try to help him. And it's just the sort of like really violent manhunt down into Mexico and back where like Javier Bardem plays this like psycho killer who eventually catches him and like no spoilers, but does things to him. It is so good. I hadn't seen it in a while. Yeah. Do you remember just sort of like what it felt like to walk out of the theater after seeing this movie. Um, It was really weird for me because I felt extremely, I felt extremely hopeless. Like the movie itself is so dark and discouraging and, and just depressing. But I also was like, you know, I was a high schooler who wanted to do something in the arts. And I was like, wow, I didn't know movies could be like that. And I was also like, I didn't know because I was a big, big Lebowski fan is that I didn't understand that people could do both of these things that you, I thought you had to do movies like the big Lebowski or do movies like no country for old men. And I did not know you could do both. Well, I think the thing that the thing that registered the most for me, the first time I saw it, because I was a huge Coen brothers fan. I had seen like by that point, most of their movies up to that point. Yeah. I had not seen the movies post No Country for Old Men because they had not been released yet. But I had seen the movies leading up to that, and I thought what was so crazy about it was how it somehow managed to be such an incredibly faithful adaptation of the book while at the same time being such a Coen Brothers movie. And I think a lot of that Coen Brothers energy comes from all of the sort of non um, uh Woody Harrelson, Javier Bardem, Tommy Lee Jones, Josh Brolin, Kelly McDonald characters are such Coen Brothers like people. I can't think of a more honest adaptation. I mean, I don't think it changes the order of much. I don't think it adds much or cuts much. I think it's pretty like intensely faithful. It's interesting that that movie was up against There Will Be Blood that year, which I think is like this sort of like magisterial epic like movie. But it is so sprawling as a word I would use sprawling, but it's so big and it's so long and it's so slow um, in a good way, I think. But No Country is such a fleet movie like it is so everything that happens in it is so integral to the themes and to the story. It just goes like a train. Like, it's just like... Yeah, do you have a favorite part of the movie? Like, just like, this is it right here? My favorite scene has weirdly always been the scene between Tommy Lee Jones and uh, his uncle. I love that scene. His uncle being the cat man. Uh, What do you love about that scene? The Tommy Lee Jones stuff is just so... I think it's so amazing how, like... 
he's so clearly like there is like a thematic statement on the whole movie of like when there's these people who are running around just killing people on the flip of a coin how can we ever combat that but Tommy Lee Jones just has a way of making it such a journey for him and yeah well you you key in on something so so true about this movie which it, it is like the themes are like destiny fate violence like who controls this and like what is the randomness of life and death but it's so personal all of those roles are so it seems personally invested and like yeah yeah there's a moment that i love and it, it is it, maybe it's cliche maybe it's like a little too neat for it to be my favorite but the moment where he uh, Josh Brolin's character has already found the drug deal gone wrong. He's already taken the money back. He's hidden it. He's asleep. And he wakes up and realizes that he can't not go back to bring that guy water. It's such a, you know, whatever. It, it, what is it? Save the cat. You know, the moment where you show. Right. That's totally what it a is. A character. Yeah. The thing that makes you care about the character. But that happens so late in the movie in a good yeah. way. Like he doesn't give the guy water at first, and that would have, that would feel so wrong. But just the fact that like he chooses to re-enter the fray to give this man water, even though the man's probably already dead, and he knows it, is I think right. just awesome. Right, and that's but that's also such a such a uh, a testament to the source material and the movie that everything matters. Like that guy saying "agua, agua" in the. It feels just sort of like a textural thing in that mm-hmm. first scene and then winds up being the thing that ultimately fucks him over the most because he went back and he gets chased by the dog. And Yeah, what else to say? I mean, usually this part of the podcast, we're sort of starting to talk about the things that we have questions about that we're then going to answer through the musical. And by that, I mean, we're talking about the moments that don't work for us as well, but there's really, in addition to this movie seeming impossible to adapt into a musical because it's so far from a comedy, it seems impossible to adapt because I don't want to change anything. Yeah. I think the, I think the good thing about the movie and the material is that you really don't need to change that much in terms of plotting or the, the way things are put together. Cause it's kind of just perfect. But, of course, there are problems with us turning this into a musical comedy. A, the movie is uh, certainly funny, but in a um, very very bleak bleak Coen Brothers way and not in necessarily a jazz hands way. to give their opening number first close your eyes and imagine like a one like a four word way to describe your open your opening idea like if you're gonna call it this because i want on the count of three us to say our opening number ideas at the same time and see if they're the same okay i'm gonna count down three two one strangling tap dance with violence (laughs) (laughs) would you say I said strangling tap dance. (laughs) Okay. That's not actually so far from what I had imagined. So the movie begins with Tommy Lee Jones saying this narration about basically like, basically about the theme of the movie, right? I was sheriff of this country when I was 25. Grandfather was a lawman. They didn't even have to carry guns, but now they do. So we got to keep him as this sort of like soul of the show. Because he's sort of the soul of the movie. And I was like, okay, there's different ways of doing that. And my first idea was that um, 
he would be a sort of man in chair figure, a la Drowsy Chaperone, talking about how the world is changing, and in that, musicals are kind of changing. And in this song, Tommy Lee Jones is introducing us to the old timers, and we have Little Orphan Annie comes out, and Gene Kelly comes out, and uh, Mama Rose comes out, and Harold Hill, and Eliza Doolittle. Wait, I'm so confused. Tommy Lee Jones is summoning Eliza Doolittle? Yes. Tommy Lee Jones is talking about musical theater, not sheriffs? Well, right at the moment, yes. At the moment, yes. Uh, Help me me patch it together. Because then he's like, this is what it used to be. It used to be a world filled with uh, dancing and fun. And then Anton Chigurh, who is the character played by Javier Bardem, comes out and starts murdering them all. So he's so he blows he takes the cattle thing that blows the people's heads off and he blows little orphan Annie's head open and he he garrets uh, Gene Kelly while they're tap dancing. Can I can I maybe simplify this a little bit? What if just instead of this musical theater man in the chair version, Tommy Lee Jones comes out and I sort of imagine him in the musical as like a quirky Saint Clair playing Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, this character okay. type in the movie his monologue is all about like the old sh- the sheriffs of olden years and how they used to fight with honor and their villains were honorable too and they didn't have to do this sort of like chaotic gun stuff and like they just like took yeah. care of business what if he, as he's describing that he's showing us the old timers but rather than the old timers being that of musical theater they are like musical theater versions of like cowboy sheriffs so we get like these really cutesy it's like foppish, a high school doing a bad Oklahoma, And he's like, but things have changed. And then we just get Anton Chigurh coming on and killing them. And I think in that, there's got to be this vibe of like, it's like it's no show for old men, no show for grandmas or something. It's like this idea that he is telling the audience and that can coincide with this idea of uh, Javier running around and garroting and tap dancing with all these bleeding out um, cops is that the show is going to be really violent yeah. and bloody. There, there's no jokes for old men. There's no songs for old men. There's no whatever for old men. This is no country for old men. There we go. So we landed on that, yeah. So then I think the next thing that happens is we meet Josh Brolin, right? Now what I do feel like is hugely important with the Josh Brolin character is that we've got to set him up like he is the guy. He's the hero, but I think we got to see him like out in the field with the animals, like singing about basically like he needs to have like a big like I want song. As we all as we always do opening number than the I want song. We're very formulaic people, but it works. I think there's subversion in this, which is that like this guy gets his this guy dies off screen off stage and we got to set it up. Well, he's like a rugged country man who yes. hunts deer and like knows how to track a yes. steed. Exactly. Okay, so do you have ideas for what that would be? That number? Well, I just was like, uh, it was kind of boring. But <laughs> um, we could try something like uh, yes. the ultimate ombre, which is what he says in the drug deal to the dying man. He's looking for the ultimate ombre. Uh, so he's the ultimate ombre. Like he wants to be the last man standing. Oh, like that's metaphorically great. in life, and then it becomes the literal thing is he wants to be the last man standing. 
That's what it needs to be is, yeah, is that he like, feels like he needs to like walk on in like sexy hunting gear and a big old gun and being like, I know all you New Yorkers are judging me for hunting. But let me tell you something about the food chain. At the bottom, there's this. And at the top, there's the last man, the ultimate ombre. Yes. And that's him. And then, yeah, yes. as you said, we, we sort of subvert it. I almost said we pervert it, but we subvert we pervert it by it. having him literally try to be the last man standing and fail in a anticlimactic way. I love that. That's, I feel like that's important, is setting him up in a yeah. way so that it's satisfying. And what's really great about that, too, is we get to have him singing this solo, but we get to have a chorus of deer that have all been shot and bleeding. Yes. It's important that in every song there are there is an ensemble of bloody things in the background. <laughs> um, I love the scene immediately after where he goes home. Yes. And he puts his, he hides the money under his trailer, and his wife, the Kelly McDonald character, says, Lou! to get that pistol and he says at the getting place and i think we should do maybe a duet there that kind of is in the style of like Ado annie in oklahoma and it's where'd you get that pistol and it's like all told through flashback oh okay so it's like we do a little song where she asks him all these questions she's like but then what happened to the drug dealer's pit bull and she's like <laughs> you know what i mean yes he tells the whole story and it's all through her questions okay i i know you mentioned are you suggesting that we combine you said your favorite part is that he goes back and gives the water but are you saying that in the museum we combine all that and he gets chased by the dog and all that i think maybe that was yeah. my idea too but i had a different idea about uh <laughs> something with the pit bull uh because listen when that pit bull is chasing josh brolin it swims and it is a really fast swimmer and a really impressive swimmer. And listen, we're a little bit ways into this musical. We can have a little fun, I think. And so I'm a little curious okay. about there being like the guys who sick the dog on him. If they're like, who's that there? Why that? That's Swimmy the Wonder Dog. <laughs> and they sing this song <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and they're like, Swimmy the Wonder Dog. And he's like after and he's like swimming and it's like fabulous. Like he's like chasing Josh Brolin. And then the end of the song is just Josh Brolin like blows the dog up. Um. <laughs> you do not know what to do with that. Uh, yeah, sure. Swimmy the Wonder Dog. Listen, that's my that's We do need idea. a few group numbers and maybe that's a good one. Okay, so after Llewellyn, where'd you get your pistol? He realizes he needs to get the water to the person, and then we get Swimmy the, Swimmy under, the, Wonder, the Wonder Dog. Dog. And then we gotta do the gas station scene, I feel like. I mean, I'm literally just following the movie. This is the most iconic moment in the movie, right? For sure. It's an amazing scene where Javier Bardem goes in this gas station, decides to sort of pick an argument with the old attendant because the man is being too inquisitive. He's just He just asked, are you from Dallas, about the guy's plates. Right. And Javier Bardem pulls that coin out and is like, call it. The guy's like, yes. I got to know what I'm calling it for. He's, he's like, you stand to gain everything. Which yes. we understand means if it's, if he calls it wrong, Javier Bardem's going to kill him. Yes. I think this is like, I think this is like a big look, be a lady Vegas style number <laughs> called call it. Um, yeah. Call it. Something like that. So call it. It's like a, <laughs> It's something like that. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds yeah. good. 
So here, here's a question I want to just check in as we get through about halfway through Act One. The movie's action is so steady in a satisfying way, but like, are we building in a fun way? Like, what is happening? Are things connected at all? <laughs> maybe, maybe we need just for the sake of the musical to tie Anton Chigurh yeah. in a little earlier. I think we earlier than we do in the movie want to understand that Javier Bardem has been hired to catch who stole the money. Yeah. That's fine. I'm thinking, like, um, right before Llewellyn, where'd you get your pistol? We show him getting a call, and someone's like, he stole the money. You gotta find him. And he's like, who stole the money? Cut to Josh Brolin with the money. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, So he's on his way to get Josh Brolin when he does call. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Fixed. Yeah, he should probably, like, tie in at some point. He's got, like, a verse and call it where he's like, I'm gonna give that guy this chance, too, because this is my life's philosophy is I make them call it. Yeah. Okay, so the next real here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you on a journey right here. Okay, we have to see Tommy Lee Jones at the crime scene, putting everything together, and you know that song in Hamilton where <laughs> they're at the wedding, and then um, Angelica comes out, and she's like. She's the one who really loved Hamilton, and we rewind yeah, and everything. Sort of, and they rewind everything. That's amazing. <laughs> What's the song called? Is it- Satisfied. Yeah, that's like my favorite song. It's, and the staging is incredible. It's the best part of Hamilton, for sure. It's incredible. So I think we should have a Tommy Lee Jones number like that, where he pieces together, you know, basically like Aragorn in The Two Towers, when he's like, a hobbit lay here. Like, But I don't so, know if that's too similar to your Kelly McDonald idea. Um, No, and in fact, I think it's better... Because it's Tommy Lee Jones singing Satisfied. Right, exactly. It's like, that was the truck where the guy went to Josh Brolin and he was like, I need some water. And then like, I don't know. It goes on And the drug there. deal went bad. And and at the end, it's this swirling staging moment of we see the whole thing happen again. And we even see Swimmy the Wonder Dog. He's resurrected for a moment. <laughs> and, and what's that number called? I have no idea. I know that truck. <laughs> I know that truck. Because that's what he says. He goes, I, I, he's like, I know that truck. That's Josh Brolin's truck. Then we go to the motel, right? Where there's that epic sort of sequence where Josh Brolin has rented two rooms. He's hidden the stash of $2.4 million in an air duct between two rooms. Yes. He's been found by the sort of Mexican cartel that's been sent after him. And they're There's, there, but he's in the other yes, room. And Javier goes into the room with the cartel and kills them. And I think I was feeling that there should be, like, some sort of, like, power ballad there between Josh Brolin and Javier Bardem. Like, between... Like, there's just an air duct between us. And it's like, I can feel you. I can sense you. Yes. And I know you're there. But there's something between us, and it should, like... I had an extremely similar moment to this in the next hotel moment. But now I'm <laughs> just sort of thinking that maybe we just combine this motel with the hotel. But yeah, we don't need back-to-back motels. No. This is Broadway, baby. A one motel yeah, limit. Yeah, one motel limit. And I think, so So that was sort of similar to like my near the end of the first act moment, which was like they finally meet through through a door in in how I had thought it, but this air vent is even better, that they're on either sides of this air vent. <laughs> the one title that I had potentially come up with, which I'm amending now, uh, which I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but it's, I'm just a man standing on the other end of an air vent from another man asking him to let me kill uh, him. Let, let me, let, I, I want to try to repeat this. I'm just a man 
standing across an on the other side of an air vent from another man asking that man if I can kill asking him. Asking him to let me kill him. It might be too when, much of a mouthful. When, when, when people are waiting in line, they're going to be like, what's your favorite song? He's going to be like, my favorite song is I'm just a man standing on the other yeah. side of an air vent from another man asking that man to let me kill him. Yeah. They're going to be like, me too. Uh, it could also be called something between us. The air between us. Or like... The vent between us. Or like, blow me. Blow me? <laughs> Yeah, because, like, the air's blowing. Blow me. Well, it should definitely be hot. Well, I think what it really needs is, like, we've just gotten this, like, Josh Brolin, like, life philosophy is I want to be the man on top. And, like, both of these men probably, like, exist under that philosophy. And they're both, like, it's going to be me or you. And it should be, like, we're rivals, but it's also, like, hmm, it's hot. I think it should get a little hot. Yeah, and, like, if if Josh Brolin was wearing, like, a baggy flannel shirt in all these previous scenes, he's now wearing, like, tight-ripped flannel well, and denim. Well, and the air conditioning can turn on halfway through the song and really be blowing their hair around. <laughs> that would be great. And, it, like, it, it's, like, a number from, like, Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, yeah, it's so trashy. It's, like, it's awful. It's, like, awful, but you can't, but you you need it. And there's three key changes. Yeah, three. Count them. So here's an idea, Sam. In the movie, there's a shootout here. But what mm-hmm. if, instead of a shootout, what if we changed it a little bit and Javier has a moment of weakness because he's a little bit into... I'm turning everything just gay. But, but <laughs> he's a little bit into Josh Brolin and he lets him go. What if just like... We don't do that. <laughs> but we just, like, put a little bit of the energy into that. Like, the shootout, then, I feel like, should just become an extension of the space between us or the air between us. Um, I th- I do think it's important that that they have met each other at the end of the first act. And I kind of actually wonder if... Act one ends in the middle of the gunfight and everything slows down. And Tommy Lee Jones oh, walks sure. on and is like, well, this is quite the pickle they've gone into. Yeah, and we see that. And then he's like, well, that's it. There's no intermission for old men. Yeah. Blackout. And it's like very like, not anticlimactic, but it's just kind of like, yeah, we'll see you in 10. <laughs> so is there an intermission? Oh, you know what it would be? Because we, we don't want people to be confused about whether or not there's a mission. This would be called. It'd be, he'd be like, now go get your drinks, go pee, but hurry back because there's no late seating for old men. Yes, no late seating for old men. Oh, I love it. Cool. why you're gonna love the intermission being here the most because we get back from act from intermission and we go right into a very like legally blonde welcome to the 60s style makeover montage where javier is healing himself getting himself new clothes it's this whole thing and it's called everything but the hair I want to change my shoes. I want to change my shirt. I want to. I want to do. I want to change my face. Everything but the hair. But it's all about his injuries, right? Yeah. It's just fierce. But it's fierce, and it's called everything but the hair. Okay. Yeah. I think that's great. Um. Okay. So I must admit, 
at this point in the movie, Woody Harrelson comes into it, and I didn't quite know what to do with him. So, do you have any ideas? I mean, one idea was just like a kind of meta thing, and it's called, oh yeah, Woody Harrelson was in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of what we gotta like, do. We sort of have, like, the scene starts, and then we have, like, a character who doesn't exist in the world of the uni- of the musical, but, like, run in from the audience and be like, I totally forgot Woody Harrelson was in this movie. And he see, or a chorus member yeah. stops and freezes and is like, "Did you remember Woody Harrelson was in this movie?" And the whole chorus breaks and is like, yes. "No, I didn't remember Woody Harrelson. Did you?" And it's how everyone in the show, including the people who are in it, we get people in the orchestra pit playing the band. We have like someone like a techie flying yes. in on the fly system, being like, oh, "I didn't know Woody Harrelson was in it." And it's an amazing number where everyone yeah. is like, "I forgot Woody Harrelson was in it," but he's great. He is great. Uh, do we recap in that number like what his arc does, or do we just talk about how we didn't? remember that he was in it and then i think stop. You, i think you get rid of it you do his whole thing like you build up you build up like i don't remember i didn't remember he's in this movie oh yeah what does he do in this movie oh let's see what he does in this movie then we like zoom in on him sitting by the hospital bed and it's like someone wearing like a woody a really creepy woody harrelson mask or something <laughs> <laughs> and they just do like the monologue verbatim yes. and then he gets killed and they do like one last verse i love that yeah um and then he gets killed by uh javier at which point Javier calls Josh Brolin and is like, "You've got you've got a choice now. You can come bring me the money, and I will kill you, but I'll let your family yeah. live. I'll let Kelly McDonald live, or I'm going to bring a world of pain down on everyone you love, basically. Right. And maybe this is a reprise of the air between us, or something well, over the phone. I don't think phone. we're going to have that many numbers in Act Two, so let's let's give the people a new song, Kyle. You're so greedy for reprises. You're fucking greedy for that. Well, it's thematic. I have a fun song coming up. Um, no, but what could the phone the phone number? It could be like a telephone hour number where like they're calling each other back. Okay, sure, sure. Hi, Anton. Yeah. Hi, Llewellyn. Bring me the money. Bring me the money, yeah. yeah. What's your fun number coming up? Because I don't have many left. Well, I feel like Kelly McDonald needs one more song. At this point, she is on the phone with Josh Brolin, and he wants her to go to El Paso. He wants her to meet him in El Paso because that's where an airport is, and he's going to give her the money and have her fly away so that he can then deal with Anton Chigurh. My idea was that we really take this opportunity to have just a old-fashioned sort of love ballad between the two of them on the phone, and it's called Nothing Rhymes with Llewellyn. But it's like her trying to come up with a love song to t- express to him how much she he means to her. Mm-hmm. At the same time as un- as articulating that there uh, isn't anything that rhymes with Luella. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you really quickly just come up with like a verse there? Can you can you give me an example? I'm I'm putting you on the spot here. What do you think I am? You can come up with shit fast. It's like roses are red. Violets are blue, but nothing rhymes with Llewellyn, so I'll just say I love you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, roses are red, violets are blue, but nothing rhymes with Llewellyn, so I'll just say I love you. That's beautiful. A nice little love ballad. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then uh, Josh Brolin dies. What happens in the movie is he's walking by the pool he's at the airport waiting for carla jean or whatever and another young woman is like hey you're you're you look good like do you want to have some beers And he's like no i'm waiting for my wife and she's like that's what you're looking out the window waiting for and he says that and whatever's coming next and, he, and she says yeah but you never see that one do you and the 
lights fade, literally like it goes it fades to black, and then when they come up, he's been killed. So how do we do this in the musical? Um, that's a good question. I have no idea. So, I mean, I'm a little worried because we have a lot of meta numbers in Act 2. Like, a lot of meta numbers. Yes. But what if, like, he sings a song about how he knows he's about to die and the lights keep fading on him? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. And then the lights fade could be the number. And, but he keeps, like, he keeps like finding another pool of light that he can be in so he can keep singing the song. And then, I hate to say it, but I think we need to skip... Catman, forgive me, because I think we need to get to the confrontation pretty quickly. Which is the Kelly McDonald confrontation. Mm-hmm, which Javier Bardem has to go fulfill his promise that if Llewellyn tries to run, he will kill his wife. Okay. I think this wants to be like an 11 o'clock number that she sings at him that's like, I'm not going to call it. She's refusing to operate under the rules the rest of the movie has operated under. And it's her like, and in this number, she like, has a fierce costume change into like a shiny dress and she steps out of the scene and she's like singing and belting and stuff. I'm not gonna open parentheses, call it, close parentheses. But then he kills her. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, um, and then I think we just gotta wrap it up with Tommy Lee Jones. Well, well, Javier gets away. Right. And Tommy Lee Jones brings it home for us with, I don't know, I wrote musicals ain't what they used to be. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? I think that's a great, I think that's a good moment for this. We've done no no show for old men. I think now is the place that like you've just watched this show. Was it fun? Did it make you feel better about the world? No, because musicals ain't what they used to be. I think that's a great last and number. And it's him singing and realizing that everything is changed. And then if you wanted to put in Javier Bardem's like, he's escaped, so what is he doing now? It could be him killing old Orphan Annie. Yes. So yeah, I think that's what it is. It's he sings musicals ain't what they used to be. You thought you were here to see like a peppy little show about a little orphan girl? Well, guess what? She's dead. And he like kills her. And then everybody's on the apron of the stage covered in blood. And then Tommy Lee Jones says, and then I woke up and the lights go out. (laughs) Um, Well, I think we figured this out. Yeah. I mean, right now I feel like we have a collection of songs. I don't know if we have a musical. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, let me try. Let me try and do the recap and I'll, I'll try and make it cohesive. You do the recap this time. I'm excited. Act one. The curtain rises on a man in chair-esque type character, which is the Tommy Lee Jones character, portrayed as a sort of quirky St. Clair playing a a country cop. And he comes out and sort of sets the tone of the evening. This is no show for old men. It's no musical for old men. There's going to be lots of violence and a lot of blood. And to display that, we introduce the Javier Bardem character, who starts garroting cops with his handcuffs then Mm -hmm. we transition to josh brolin who he wants to be the ultimate ombre he wants to be the last man standing we cut away to javier bardem and he's like he gets a call and he finds out that um josh brolin is uh i don't know i'm lost (laughs) (laughs) he gets a call and he finds i'm gonna take over you you did a great job you did a great job up until this point i'm trying to keep it moving he gets a call and he's he's hired to go retrieve some money that's been stolen. And he's like, who stole the money? We cut to Josh Brolin, and we have this sort of 80 number, Llewellyn, where'd you get that pistol? Where he recaps how he found this drug deal gone wrong, and he stole the money. 
So then he goes back to give water to one of the people from the drug bust or from the drug exchange. He's chased by a dog through the water, and everyone marvels at this dog. And there's a fun little ditty called Skippy the Wonder Dog about this impressive dog. And it ends of Josh Swimmy. Brolin shooting. Oh, Swimmy the Swimmy underdog. Swimmy the Wonder Dog. And it ends of Josh Brolin shooting it. Yes. Then we go to the gas station where Anton Chigurh threatens this man and it makes him call a coin toss. And you have this luck be a lady number called Call It. Yes. Exactly. Then we get the Tommy Lee Jones satisfied number. Tommy Lee Jones goes to the crime scene. Where he sings, I know that truck. Yes. And he sort of walks us through exactly what happened in the manner of Hamilton. And we go to the motels yes. and they're, they have this power ballad between with the air ducts between them. There's something between us. There's air between us. Yes. And that devolves into a gunfight where they're shooting at each other. They each get shot. And then Tommy Lee Jones, a la the cop in Urinetown, walks on and is like, well, it's intermission time. This is a crazy situation. Just so you know, they both get away. Hurry back because there's no late seating for old men. And we have intermission. And then there's Act 2, yes. which starts of a makeover number where Javier Bardem is healing himself. It's a makeover montage called Everything But The Hair. And then... We have this great meta number where Josh Brolin wakes up and Woody Harrelson is there and a chorus member breaks and is like, I did not remember Woody Harrelson was in this movie, did you? And everyone is singing, I didn't remember that he was in this movie. Perfect. Then we have a phone call number between Shigore and Llewellyn. It's either a reprise or it's like a telephone hour number. We're not totally sure yet. Um Regardless, it's followed up by a number where Llewellyn's wife, Carla Jean, yes. calls Llewellyn and they have a number called no, Nothing Rhymes with Llewellyn. So then he's waiting at the motel for whatever's coming next and he starts singing about how he's going to die. But before he gets to his death each time, the lights literally fade on him to blackout and pick up onto the next scene. But his actor character keeps running into the new lights and he wants his death to happen lit up and the song is called the lights fade and it means both the literal lights and sort of him dying yes then we cut Catman and we go straight to javier fulfilling his promise fulfilling his threat and he's there to kill carla jean and she has the 11 o'clock number i'm not gonna call it but he does kill her he slinks away he slinks away tommy lee jones comes on and he sings musical name with the used to be which turns into this elaborate sort of finale number where different characters from musicals come out and Anton Sugar kills them all. Tommy Lee Jones is like, you probably came here for a nice musical about an orphan. Well, Javier Bardem killed her. You came here for a nice song about cowboys in love. Javier Bardem killed them. Yes. Musicals just ain't what they used to be. Love it. Blackout. <laughs> thunderous applause. Everyone is covered in blood and they're wiping it off. Yes. And that's great. <laughs> Do you have any um, casting ideas? I think Antonio Banderas has to return to Broadway. What was the last time he was on Broadway? He Listen, he was in nine on Broadway. He, he can sing. So you're saying bring him back for Anton Chigurh? Yeah. What if, like, <laughs> bear with me here, but what if, like, Josh Brolin was, like, Andrew Reynolds? <laughs> uh, I think that's great. I think, I think casting the, oh, this is who plays Anton Chigurh. Cheetah Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> no. I will say I do think Cheetah Rivera as Anton Chigurh is an event, is event casting. I will say that. Cheetah Rivera as Anton Chigurh is in the conversation. I'm just putting it out there.
Okay, welcome back. Uh, some time has passed. Kyle, you went away. As you tend to do, you wrote a song in what I can only assume was a manic fit of creative energy. So um, manic. You passed so manic. You passed that song on to many, many, many talented people who turned it into what everyone's about to hear. Do you want to set the scene for it? So, here we are. We're in this gas station, and there's an old hick man sitting behind the counter, just trying to do his job. When who comes in but Javier Bardem? There's going to be trouble. Yes, yes. So, arranged and orchestrated by Nevada Lozano, produced by Joe Mendick, here's Omar lopez Sapero singing Call It from No Country for Old Men, the musical. How much? 69 cents. And the gas? You getting any rain up your way? What way would that be? I seen you was from Dallas. What business is it of yours where I'm from? I didn't mean nothing by it. Didn't mean nothing. What's the most you ever lost in a coin toss? Standing here, Mr. Texaco Man Asking, oh so callous If my license plate says Dallas So I'm flipping this for you And all you gotta do is You gotta call it Let the coin decide your fate You gotta call it It's dated 1958 This legal tender Went on a bender Traveling for years Said Brando Now it's here So you gotta call it Well Call it I need to know what I stand to win Everything Is it gonna be heads 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 Who's that? Is it gonna be tails 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 Just my backup girls What's it gonna be? Very good. Don't put that in your pocket, or else it's just a coin. Which it is. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Insert Movie Here. Insert Movie Here is hosted by myself, Sam French. And me, Kyle Wilson. We have a thousand thank yous. 
to the incredible Omar Lopez Sapero as Anton Chigurh and his wonderful singing trio Lindsay Roberts, Zanny Laird, and Mariela Flor Olivo. Randy Kovitz for voicing the Texaco Man. To Nevada Lozano for arranging and orchestrating the song, and to Joe Mendick for producing the track. To Derek Ganong on trumpets, Kenneth Johnson on trombones, Joe Mendick on saxes, and Evan Hyde on drums. To the great folks on our theme song, Andy Einhorn, who produced the track, Nevada Lozano, who arranged and orchestrated the tune, Daniel Kluger for mixing, Jessica Thompson for mastering, and David Davin for music editing. To Will Blum on lead vocals, Lindsay Roberts, Zanny Laird, Jackson Perrin, and Adrian Rosas singing backup. Trevor Newman on trumpets, Rebecca Patterson on trombones, Chad Smith on saxes, and Evan Hyde on drums. To Thomas Constantine Moore, who designed our logo, and Jeremy Robin Lyons, who arranged our incidental music. Our music supervisor is Andy Einhorn, and our executive producer is John Albert Harris. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. <laughs>